Rough start at the office. Welcome, one and all, to the Games and App Podcast, the show where we share our opinions on all things gaming with you, our wonderful audience, in hopes to create a positive community where gamers, both casual and hardcore alike, can share our own thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I'm Andrew Fiak. And I'm Brandon Carnahan. And welcome, y'all. How's it going? It's going. Do you have that memorized now? I do. I don't even have to look at the doc anymore. Nice. I thought that last week and I forgot to mention it. Oh, yeah. No. Way to no, go. That's, uh, Way to go, man. I actually got it tattooed on the back of my eyelid, so I go like this <laughs> when I would say it. You made a good face, audio listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how you doing, Brandon? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, not, yeah, did not you have a, a nice nice week off after we did the... Uh, the games in that special with the Greedo Shot First Boys last week. Yeah, you know it was different. I uh, I was outside that Tuesday and apparently inhaled a lot of pollen, and now my sinuses are all in a fuss. Yeah, you sound a little a little nasal. Like there's some. You sound like there's some digging to be done up in that nasal. Yeah, area. got a little, a little gold up there in them hills. I'm sure you could train the young one to help you out there. <laughs> uh, um. But yeah, so we we took uh, we took the traditional live stream off last week. Uh, for those of you that were dying and looking forward to the live stream, we're so sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught the sar- sarcasm there, but uh, I don't know. Nobody really cares. But uh, yeah, we did something a little special. We uh, synced up with the Greedo Shop First Boys. We did a whole Star Wars special where we put together a cumulative top five of the best Star Wars experiences um, that we published, and uh, we urge you to go back and. Take a look at that episode. Give a listen. Give some feedback. Yeah. Brandon and I are dying for some feedback. Anything we can get from you guys, even if it's just you guys suck or yeah, you guys are okay <laughs> or you guys are good. Anything. Um, or you could write a whole dissertation on what we could be doing better. We'll read uh, that we, entire we, dissertation. Yeah, we'll, we'll read the whole it. thing. We would really appreciate it because I think we're looking to shake things up a bit. I think uh, yeah. we're getting a little stale here at our 26 episodes. Uh and we're trying to see what we can do to make things a bit more interesting and a mm-hmm. bit more uh, palatable and palpable for the listeners and viewers out there. So yeah. we'll be in touch once we know more. For sure. Brandon. Andrew. Is there anything at the top of the show that you want to go over before we start getting into all the random roundup of games we've been playing? Um, yeah, actually, I got one thing. One <gasps> thing that uh, kind of harkens back to... Uh, an episode from oh, about a month or so ago. Sure. Our uh, our post April Fools episode. <laughs> when we uh, discussed <laughs> we discussed the uh, the April Fools jokes that cut us the deepest. Yes. And mine was that there was going to be a remaster of the Ghostbusters video game from two thousand nine. Yeah. They as it say turns the out, the deepest. Well, as it turns out, uh, there may have been some truth to that. April Fool's joke because on a uh, I believe it's a, a Taiwanese what? on a Taiwanese retailer's website, um, they uh, they posted a listing for Xbox One for Ghostbusters the video game remastered. 
I know. How interesting <clears throat> is that? That How was random is that first and foremost. Most unexpected thing I thought. <laughs> the only thing that I pull from that is that they're trying to drum up some excitement for this uh upcoming sequel that Jason Reitman's helming. And I'm wondering if maybe the video game will play into it at all, if it will have any ties to the story, however loose, and they're just trying to get that fresh in people's minds. Uh, but needless to say, that will be a day one purchase for me. I love that game. And if they bring it back with multiplayer, that's an easy buy for me. Easy buy. Yeah, that, that multiplayer, was, multiplayer was awesome. Nothing else out there like it. Nope. And uh, I think I am more excited to see... Uh, how difficult Bill Murray is going to be in this new Ghostbusters <laughs> movie coming out. Just <laughs> what Stinky's going to put up. Yeah. I joke. But yeah, this game was great. Um, it is a third Ghostbusters movie. Um, it is the it is essentially is from what Dan Aykroyd has gone on record saying. It's pretty much a canon story. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much Ghostbusters 3. And you might as well just call it Ghostbusters 3 rather than Ghostbusters the video game remastered from Taiwan. <laughs> um, but I'm excited. Yeah, I'm that was a good game. For sure. For sure. Um, so other than that little bit of news, there was the little uh, Sony State of Play that happened over uh, last week on oh, last yeah. Friday, I believe. <laughs> totally last Thursday, slipped actually. off my radar. Oh, dude, totally. We were sitting at D&D and things were happening and we were like, why is all this stuff getting announced? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah. State of Play is today. Is there anything that you want to comment on that was exciting about the State of Play that you're looking forward to? Um, I mean, I think the big one that probably is the forefront of uh, everybody's mind is uh, the Final Fantasy VII oh, trailer. Sure. I mean, that's the first we've seen of it in a, in a long time. I I will go on record. Like five years, right? How, yeah. I'll go on record, however shameful it may be, and say I have not played Final Fantasy VII. Oh, and um, this is probably the... <sighs> oh, this is why. <laughs> never. never I've, I've touched it. I've played hours of it, but I've never finished it. And I, I'm i not going to lie. I don't really care to go back and do that. This is why no one listens to us. They're like, you have never played Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this, okay. this, <laughs> this looks... I make up for it this week. <laughs> this, looks like, um, this looks like a reason to uh, actually go back and try it. So I'll, I'll say that much. Definitely. But it's not the definitive way to play it. <laughs> Uh, audible eye rolling. It's my favorite. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to the to Final Fantasy VII uh, remake slash uh, best way to play. Uh, but yeah. we'll see what happens when that comes out. Um, yep. I remain skeptical because it, it looks like it plays a lot like the new Final Fantasies, like 15 and stuff, where it looks really good, but it might not be a game for me. Just yeah. So Japanese and so combat and real-time stuff and like team management gone but we'll see i'm interested in it and if it still follows that story the thing is and this isn't these aren't my own thoughts i watched some uh reactions to and read some articles about it but the big thing that stuck out to me about the final fantasy 7 remake is that Final Fantasy was a game that stood out at the time because of storytelling mm-hmm. and the way that it told the story, the twists, the plot holes, the the way that they rounded things out, the, who Cloud is, what he does and all that stuff. Um, and I think that since then, so many games have come out that have done that style of storytelling better, if not best. Mm-hmm. So 
if, unless something changes drastically here, or they, they really breathe some new life into it, um, I think it might feel a little stale. So hopefully the gameplay kind of backs it up because otherwise it's just kind of a turn-based action RPG. Yeah, that's kind of a double-edged sword when you think about it because it's either they, they deliver on a true, or you know, air quotes, true remaster where they keep everything the same, but they just update the graphics and you please all right. the longtime fans. And then all the people like us that have never played before just kind of like, eh, feels real old. Or do you update those game mechanics and maybe potentially story beats? And then all of your original fans are kind of like, this isn't my Final Fantasy VII. I don't want to play this. Yeah, it might have to do like a Resident Evil 2 thing where it might have to come out and breathe new life into the story and gameplay and give Mm -hmm. you something totally new. Whereas if you go back and play the original Resident Evil 2 like I did... Um, you might be like, okay, I get it, but I had a lot more fun with the new shiny thing because I'm a new latest shiny thing guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that actually pans out, especially since it's been in development since before, uh, Resident Evil two even started. Yeah. I'm going to remain open-minded at the very least. I think it's, it's worth a red box, Mm -hmm. a curious red box. Is that still a relevant thing to say? It's worth a red box? <laughs> That's the only thing I could... <laughs> when I, I was going to say, just like, yeah, rent it. And I'm like... Wow. <laughs> red box is really the only place you can rent stuff? Unless you're doing Gamefly sponsors. I got really close to buying a Blockbuster t-shirt at Target the other day. And then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Nostalgia. Uh, yeah. Not a relevant story at all, but... I used yeah. to love Blockbuster. I used to love going into Blockbuster and just looking yeah. at all the pictures and Remember box they're, art. They're like their game section just like roped off from everything else. Like her Yeah, it was like it was off. that first corner to the right when you walked in. Yep. And you'd just be able to I'd just look at everything and that's that's and how you used the, to the get TVs games. around the top and Yeah, man. Used to have to take your take your chances on how cool the box art was <laughs> and the four pictures that they put on the back. Yep. Yep. Uh you win yeah. some, you lose some on those for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, because uh, we took last week off uh, from our traditional style of the podcast uh, to talk about Star Wars games, uh, we've got about two and a half weeks of content to get through here of just games that we've played, things that we've been mm-hmm. doing in, in our off time. So we're doing a little random roundup here. Um, I've got I've got a handful of games to talk about. Uh, we're not going to get too much in depth. The traditional random roundup rules apply of just kind of skimming over the games we've been playing and kind of highlights and touch points um, and kind of go from there. Yep. So Brandon, why don't you kick it off for us? What were you doing? Well, you know, I think we could both chime in on this one since I know it's on both of our lists. Sure. Um, You finished this. I'm still working my way through it. And that's uh, days gone, which we talked about before our uh, episode with the uh, Greedo guys. Um, I don't know. I just like the first thing, whenever I'm thinking about this game, the first thing that has come to my mind every time I've thought back on it is just like, haven't really been like in the mood to play it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, whenever I do feel like I want to play it, it's usually only for like very short stints. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm kind of at a point where there's, it's sending you to a lot of far off places in the map, like from where you start versus where you need to go to. So it's just, just feels like a lot of tedium back and forth kind of stuff yeah a lot of filler um i I don't know i haven't i mean i even played it today and i was like oh i'm I'm probably going to go back and and change all this and like not really (laughs) uh i've 
definitely kind of feel like I'm at a point where I'm kind of playing it less for the enjoyment factor of it and more like something's got to happen to to hook me in here with like a story beat or like a new mechanic or something. I'm just just like, (laughs) please. Yes. It's like that picture with the guy at the stick and he's just like poking Mm -hmm do something and you you know what frustrates me about that game is that what would normally be side stuff in a normal game this game forces you to do those things before you move on to the next major story beat yeah it's so frustrating <laughs> totally sometimes you that. just want to power through the main story and then like yeah i'll do the encampment missions later but it's like well you can't do that until you kill you do this bounty for copeland yeah and it's like yeah. come on man why like, why are you forcing me to do this right. like i said two episodes ago like just the way that it you finish a mission and then it automatically dump something else on you with like no context like how do i mm-hmm. how does deacon know that he needs to do this like just give me just that tiny bit of exposition to make yeah. it feel less like it's just a marker on the map and yeah. nothing more um <clears throat> but yeah i just i don't know it's feeling a little bit repetitive i'm still sticking with it because it seems like something's got to come up to make it interesting and i'm just kind of hanging on for it and but basically like i've got to be like in the mood to play it's not something where i can just be like i'm gonna play a game and pop this on it has to be like i want to play specifically days gone yeah well it's not a feel-good game it's not something you go <clears throat> in and be like oh this is i'm getting joy out of this it's you're living in a post-apocalyptic yes, world it's, where it's doggy it's dog very, like you said. very dark atmosphere yeah. for certain um, yeah, I unfortunately powered through and I, I finished it. I'm definitely not going to hundo P it. That is for certain. Um, I will say to kind of alleviate some of your pain points that there are major story beats that start to hit. And when they do, it's right around that turn of the third act type thing. So mm-hmm. there's, I break it up into, there's the first act of the, the Copeland and Tucker camps. And then there's the second act of getting Iron Mike and his camp involved and then all the third act is everything that's removed from those camps. Um, there are some major story beats that take you into that third act. My biggest gripe, and I think I texted this to you when it was happening, was the third act is just as long as the first two acts. <laughs> it takes four freaking ever. Far Cry Three style. Yes, it takes you to it takes you to uh, no no major spoilers. It takes you to a whole new part of a ma- of the map. Mm-hmm. There's a whole southern region of the map that uh, further than what you've already been through, mm-hmm. and it's the size of the entire top two halves of the map that you've Jeez. been through. Literally, literally, Far Cry Three style. <laughs> yes, and it's just unnecessarily painstakingly just drags on and on and on, and the story got better but it still failed to capture <clears throat> what I was really looking for in terms of closure. It closes all open ends. It doesn't mm-hmm. like leave anything open where it's like, Oh, can't wait to see what happens in days gone too. <laughs> um, thank God it's a self-contained thing, but you know, they could always build on that stuff. But I was really disappointed in how things kind of shook out. There were some good moments. Um, good character arcs came to a close. Um, a lot of people had kind of their swan songs of, you know, this is my thing that I've built up to in terms of my arc. And now here's my coup de gras and you're welcome. Um, but a lot of it, I was just kind of like, oh, OK, it's kind of it's like it's like HBO started writing the game. But then NBC came in to kind of finish it. If that in terms of storytelling, I think the more uh, topical thing people would say is like 
It's like George R. R. Martin started writing it, and then <laughs> <laughs> Benioff and Weiss finished off the last two seasons. Who are now going to do the new Star Wars trilogy, yes. I heard? Yep. Oof. One oh, of the new Star Wars trilogies. Well, for the record, I, I'm enjoying this eighth season. I'm, I'm, I'm and that's okay, that, Brandon, because the only opinion that matters is your own. <laughs> Dude, I've told you myself guys. that so many times, just like <laughs> scrolling through angry comments on Facebook and Reddit, and I'm just like... I feel bad for people that can't just enjoy something for what it is, and they have to pick everything apart. It's hard, dude. It's really hard. <laughs> Even me, I get really cynical at times, mm -hmm. and then I have to take a step back. Like when we were talking about Endgame spoilers, and we were going through all those things, and then we started to theorize about where could the stories go from here. And then I was, I had this. You you presented me this cool fan theory. I had this whole rebuttal lined up, <laughs> and I deleted the whole thing because I went, "Oh my god, this is so stupid." that I'm trying to rebuttal Brandon on a fan theory that he didn't even come up with. He just <laughs> heard about it. And I was like, that's so dumb. I'm just going to enjoy it and say, yeah, if that happens, that's cool. And then go on with my life. And yeah. guess what? My day was phenomenally better from <laughs> then on out. That's real adulting. Uh, that's so <laughs> adulting. Um, I really, <laughs> I feel a lot better about that. But I mean, as um, adulting as you can get when you're about to have an argument about comic book characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I don't even have control over because it's been proven time and time again that regardless what's happened in the comics before, the MCU is just going to do whatever it wants. Yep. So <laughs> just enjoy the ride, guys. Enjoy okay. the ride. It's okay. If you're really that upset about it, go write your own fan fiction. Go write your own comics. Boom. Go make your own movie. You're totally welcome to do that. Boom. Make it happen. Otherwise, just complain online behind your keyboard and call people... <laughs> racist bigoton things uh, if that's what gets you going but yeah days gone it was okay guys if you've started it and you really want to see it through go for it otherwise um you're not really missing much i think you can kind of predict where the story's going to go and what's going to happen but still worth seeing it through to the end it's yeah. just uh it's it's if, if it takes you 20 hours to get to the big turning points in act three it's another 20 hours just to finish out the game it's a chunky game and I didn't even touch any of the Horde stuff aside from some of the story missions. Yeah. By the way, that Sawmill Horde uh, demo that they showed at E3 in mm -hmm. like 2016, mm -hmm. that's like the second to last mission of the game. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> does it have as many Freakers as it does in the... There are 188 Freakers in that area. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. It's dense. And there's like nothing around to make Molotovs or anything. You Thanks. pretty much have to come prepared. And it's cool because it's a it's one of the few areas in the game that's set up where you can run around and like duck under uh, like wooden barriers and then like pull them down under you so that the freakers don't follow you or you put a block in their yeah. way. I feel like there's nothing outside the, of that. The closest I came to that and was what I just played today was the first time you fight a, uh, a breaker at mm -hmm. the uh, plane crash. And there's like a lot yeah. of like things that you can scoot under that he's too big to get through and like little like shimmy spots where you can go through like a tight space yes and then it's almost like, like the sawmill area <laughs> was built as like a concept for the game to show people and be like this is what the game could and will be and then everything that expanded from there on out was just like half-assed ideas of that <laughs> what a bummer i'm so disappointed hopefully they do a sequel and the sequels you know building upon all the good things a la assassin's creed but 
Time will tell. Man, take a page out of Ubisoft's book. They're yeah. killing it right now, though. For sure. The announcement of Wildlands Breakout. I don't know if that's going to be a game for me. I'll probably Seems check very, it out. I enjoyed uh, the first Wildlands. Yeah. So. I don't know if it's going to be like Wildlands. I think it's going to be more like Call of Duty. Hmm. It looked like it, at least. It didn't look open world. It looked much more open level, co-op, much more intimate experience. I think it's supposed to be an island, but... Like it's a contained Maybe. area. I think I think it's supposed to be pretty similar. Is what I, I hope so. It. If it is, I'll definitely check it out. But it, they, the way that they sold it in the trailer made it feel like, hey guys, we're we're moving the camera up to the character. We're we're getting grittier and muddier. And I think that's a, a more of a an engine change because it looks like it's running off of the same engine that uh, Division Two is running off of. Because they, Division Two also had the same thing where the camera's a little bit tighter. Okay. And everything like lighting and that. stuff seemed a little more in line with Division Two versus the first Wildlands. So yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. That'll be my guess. All right. So aside from Days Gone, <laughs> what else you been playing? Um. Well, why don't you jump in because you have a bunch more stuff on your list. No, I don't. Yeah, I do <laughs> a lot. Um. Uh, where is all my stuff? Oh, here it is. Um, <clears throat> so one game I went back and played was uh, something on my list of shame for the longest time. And being such a big Metroid fan, uh, Super Metroid fan, uh, this is a game that I always wanted to come back to. And I tried to pick up every now and then, but I just kind of got bored with it and moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I finally picked up Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And uh, there, it was available on PlayStation 4 as part of a bundle. Mm-hmm. You get Symphony of the Night and you get uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood, which is the prequel to Symphony of the Night. Done. It, it's a it, Rondo of Blood is an old uh, 2D game that was only released in the West, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in like Japan. Um, we never got Days. it in the States. Very, um, very gory take on... Uh, on Castlevania, and it was kind of touted as being such. Um, you play as uh, Richter Belmont, Simon's heir, mm-hmm. so to speak, from the first couple Castlevania games on NES and Super NES. Or so you might know him from Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Richter and Simon are both in the game. Um, but uh, so Richter has taken over Dracula's castle. Uh, the first level of Symphony of the Night is you playing as Richter Belmont. You take on Count Dracula. You defeat Count Dracula. And then um, it flat fast forwards years and years later. And you're coming up to Dracula's castle. And you're playing as Alucard. And your goal is to rid the castle of all evils and make sure that the castle crumbles where it stands. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So you get into a, uh, a very Metroidvania-style game. This is probably the game that put Vania in Metroidvania. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it was, it's always widely regarded as one of the best Metroidvanias, if not one of the best games of all time. And I never understood it until I got into it and could not put it down. It was so good. 
absolutely phenomenal game. How well it holds up, how tight the controls are, how you're playing through the game and you're like, man, these controls are so tight. I can tell why why all these indie 2D platformers and some indie like or some AAA 2D games really try to mimic what this game did because it's just it's so well done. Um, a lot of those old Castlevania games with 2D platforming feels like you get cheated out of a lot of deaths or to get cheated out of a lot of lives because you think you're going to hit something, but then something hits you and they're known for being wildly difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they got easier come super Nintendo era, but that still doesn't make them any easy game. It does still doesn't make them easy games. Um, they're still fairly difficult from what I understand. This game was easy to pick up and put down. Um, I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, makes you feel powerful. It's your typical game metroidvania go here get the thing but you can't go there until you get the other thing style game um and not to spoil a game from 1997 uh but it has one of the best mid-game twists i've ever i've ever experienced mm -hmm. um so the whole game you're playing through the the original dracula's castle um getting all these items doing all these things um and then there comes a point where um, there's either items that you can collect that will help you, but they're not necessarily um, things that you need to take on Dracula. Uh, midway through the game, you find out that it's no longer Dracula, but it's actually Richter Belmont who's taken over the castle, and he's acting very sinister, and Alucard is very confused. So there's another woman from Rondo of Blood who's looking for Richter and trying to help you. Her name is Maria. Um, right before you go to take on Richter to, to get the castle back, uh, Maria uh, offers you to spar with her. And if you defeat her in sparring, she gives you the holy glasses. Um, the holy glasses are a, an item that you can wear uh, that allow you to see um, what you normally wouldn't, like illusions that are taking place. They're like, specifically like they supposed live. to be... What's that? Like they live. Exactly. <laughs> Great Roddy Roddy Piper movie. Um, but uh, so the idea is that if you don't have these holy glasses and you go fight Richter Belmont, you can kill Belmont, rid the castle of evil, the castle collapses, and then that's the end of the game. If you have the holy glasses, you can wear them during the fight and you can see there's a little green orb that's floating around Richter Belmont. If you take out the orb instead of killing Richter, you find out that he's been possessed uh, by another greater evil. I don't remember the name of the guy, but he's like a he's like a wizardous being. And when you do that, another castle descends from the clouds of darkness and you play through the whole game again in the castle reversed and upside down. Wow. <laughs> With all That's new insane. items, all new enemies, all new boss <clears throat> battles, all new pursuits incredible i was blown away the entire time i was going through the second castle i was just like ah this man, i remember that and now look at it oh that's why that was there because it didn't make sense when it was in the up with right side up castle dude i had an absolute blast going back and playing this and it took me like 10 hours to complete perfect length game in my opinion uh it gave me that retro feeling it gave me that nostalgia feeling uh but man that game holds up and i would not be surprised if i go back and play this again in like 10 15 years i had a great time with it um it's available on playstation right now 20 bucks and you get rondo of blood 
uh, I can't recommend it enough. I had an amazing time with it. Aren't they coming out with uh, like a Castlevania collection? Possibly. I think they're doing that on Switch, right? I don't know. I, just, I feel like I remember seeing that. There aren't many now. other re- Castlevania games like this. There weren't any direct sequels that I know of that were made to Symphony of the Night. Um, a lot of the 3D ones that came in like the N64 era and even like Xbox 360 and PlayStation 4, they're more like 3D Zelda games, less Metroidvanias. Mm-hmm. Um, but the original creator of Symphony of the Night started coming out with games called Bloodstained. Um, and there's Bloodstained Curse of the Night and then or something like that. And then there's another one that's coming out. The original Bloodstained game that he released was an homage to the original NES Castlevania games. Mm-hmm. You can get that on Switch and Steam and such. It's pretty cheap. And he had a Kickstarter for a spiritual successor to Symphony of the Night that is coming out... Uh, that got funded and is coming out very soon. I think it comes out at the end of June or July. Um, but if you guys are interested in a an indie Metroidvania made by the original creator of this game, uh, that's coming out soon. And I think it's called Bloodstain. I'll look up what it's called. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to it because I really, 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 really enjoyed Symphony of the Night. So, looking up the uh, Castlevania collection, so Konami's coming out with a, a class, like a series of classics collections, and they're actually coming out uh, the end of this week on the sixteenth. Get out! Includes yeah, Castlevania, the like the original Castlevania Two, Simon's Quest, Castlevania Three, Dracula's Curse, Super Castlevania Four, um, <clears throat> Castlevania the Adventure, Castlevania Two, Belmont's Revenge, Game Boy Color, Game Boy version. Uh, Castlevania Bloodlines and Kid Dracula. So Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood are not a part of that. Interesting. So it is worth it to um, get it when you want it. <coughs> yeah. Um, and the games that I was talking about were um, there's Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. That's the old NES style one. And then the new one that's coming out is called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. And that comes out on June 25th on Switch, June 18th on everything else. Nice. Maybe so a, I a, highly a recommend you guys go check that out. It looks awesome. Nice. Cool. What else you got going on, Brando? Well, I kind of uh, I dove into the uh, into the Star Wars games pretty heavily after our uh, discussion last week. Um, so I went back to Battlefront Two. I was I felt like I was pretty close to the end of the campaign. I was like maybe four missions away, mm-hmm. and uh, I finished that up. And uh, kind of overall, like story wise, with the single player, like it's it's very short. That's like one thing that people always bring up about it is it's very short. It's probably somewhere in like the six hour range um <clears throat> story wise i don't know i felt like it was kind of like in the middle um when you think about it so like the whole thing is they're like oh you play is Iden versio and after all is said and done with the uh other hero missions like you really only actually play as her for like half of the missions nice. which is kind of interesting <laughs> um I think if they would have done a little bit more with her character, it probably would have been uh, a worse thing to have you play for her as less or during less of the game. But I think just the way that they kind of handled everything that was more uh, to their benefit. 
Um, <clears throat> it. Um, how far did you get in, into it before I say? I got much? up to the Luke Skywalker mission, uh, okay. and then I put it down. Uh, do you feel like you're going to go back to it? Yeah, I'll go back to it at some point. All right, so I'll I'll go easy on the uh, on the spoilers, so you don't. It's okay. <laughs> don't you you can you can talk spoilers. You I spoiled care? Castlevania Symphony of the Night for you. It's not big deal. <laughs> All right, so if, if you don't care, uh, I'll get into it. Uh, if you haven't played the campaign for Star Wars Battlefront Two and you're interested in seeing how that connects to the canon, um, pause, fast forward, you know, skip through this part. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> pretty much. I think it's the next mission after where you're at. Um, Iden does a face turn and so does Dell. And that's pretty quick into the game. Like they were really hyping this as like, Oh, you're going to play as an Imperial and you're going to see the whole like, uh, galactic civil war from the other side, blah, 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 blah. And that pretty much gets thrown to the wind, like real fast. Which kind of disappointed me because they, they were leaning into that so much and I thought it was like a different perspective. I thought it would have been cool. Um, but at the same time, once she does turn, like it, it it takes on a different life to it and it's it's I, don't know, I think it's more fun. It's more in line with like traditional Star Wars. So I didn't didn't hate it. I just kinda wish that they uh you know would have utilized that empire angle a little bit better. Um yeah. when that turn happens, so like with Dell, because you you know, from the Luke mission, like you actually meet up with Dell and Dell's like, why did you help me? Like, instead of killing me, like, obviously I'm an Imperial. And he was like, well, you gave me a choice, which is like the most Luke Skywalker thing ever. Yeah. Um, so him defecting to the, uh, rebel Alliance that felt perfectly natural. It was set up in previous missions and everything. No problems there with Iden. It was like one mission where, the empire was like, yep, F those civilians were, uh, were doing our thing. And it was like on her home planet. And then she was like, ah, oh, empire's bad. <laughs> and like, it was just like no lead up, no build into it. It was just, just like light. very abrupt. There's just somebody flipped the light switch. Yeah. And, uh, there wasn't like any kind of like seeds of discord that had been sown with her views on the empire. She was like very gung ho, like, you know, for the emperor rebel scum, da, 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 da. And then just that one mission, she just like flips the switch and it's like, uh, okay. I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily like it kind of deal. Could have been better. Yeah. Um, and after you join, so like you, you play as her, like, sh- like, right after you defect and the, and the Alliance kind of takes you in just for your, uh, just basically what you know. And then there's a time skip of like, I think it's several months, if not weeks. And it feels like there is a whole other game that could have taken place in those, uh, that time frame of that jump. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks. Like, obviously, I mean, like there's no way they made this game. They weren't like, huh, this is kind of short. Like they could have definitely fleshed it out. And to me, that was like super frustrating because there's like a big chunk of the story. Like, well, what did she do aside from just being like a very skilled soldier to put her in the good graces of the rebellion? Because she, as far as what they're saying um, in her backstory, like she did a lot of stuff that was like very, very damaging to the rebellion. And what could, what did she do in the lead up that put her back into the position where she had control of a team 
uh, you know, with the equivalent rank that she had within the empire. Like what happened? Yeah. Like, where is that story? I wanted to know more about that. Um, <clears throat> this all culminates, um, into the battle of Jakku, which is like the last stand of the empire in the, the Canon, um, timeline here. And mm-hmm. that mission was probably the coolest one in the game because, um, so battle of Jakku, basically the, the planet that Ray, starts off in in uh episode what uh seven yeah um when she's like when in she, the old crash star destroyer yeah fallen star it's, destroyer it's where that star destroyer and all the other ones around came from so it's like an in-atmosphere battle you deploy off of um your ship i can't remember what's the corvus maybe is what it's called mm-hmm. and you're flying around in your x-wing for half the time fighting off TIE fighters and they come in and they're trying to bomb the Corvus and you have to fight off all the bombers and, you know, do some dog fighting and stuff. And then like, okay, there's, uh, some distress beacons on the ground. Go check them out. So you in the same level, no load screens. Like you go down, you land your X wing, you hop out and then you have to figure out what's going on with this distress beacon and take care of it. And you do that two times and then you go back up, um, after each mission basically and do some more dog fighting. And then you go to the next, beacon and you do something completely different from the first one um which involves ATATs and orbital strikes and just like this really cool like defensive part of the mission where it feels like you're going to be absolutely overwhelmed by all the stuff that the empire is throwing at you and you like scrap through it and it like feels very star wars and then it ends with um a really cool dog fight against uh hask the, mm. the third team member from uh inferno squadron and it just overall it was really awesome and as i'm playing through this i was like this is the next star wars game that i want i want something where i am a pilot and i'm flying around and then i get down on the ground do some soldier type stuff get back in my x-wing and then fly around and do some dog fights in atmosphere in the sp- in space like whatever andrew and uh connor i think you'll agree with me if you're listening or when you listen to this Give me a freaking Wedge Antilles game because from what I know of Wedge Antilles, from what they've told me and from what I just know from reading is obviously he's a badass and uh, I'm pretty sure that in the EU he did like some commando type stuff where he would be like on the ground like shooty shoots. Mm -hmm. Give us that game where it's a combination of star fighting and on the ground stuff like Battlefront. I think that's a better Battlefront game than what we got here because... There were some space missions and some dogfighting missions, but they were just kind of like thrown in. I like that blend a lot more. It seemed like a much more interesting concept where you're doing. My question is, why isn't that? If, if it's in the game, why isn't it a multiplayer mode? It's in the past Battlefront game. I don't know. Well, even what? even in like the Battlefield games, like 1942, like the original Battlefield 1942, like there was a lot more stuff going on, like all throughout the map where you'd have like ground war stuff and then like dog fights and stuff happening and like sea battles, like very much like the, uh, the third act of like every star Wars movie where you have like three different fights going on. One where you have like your Jedi's fighting one where there's the star fighters and then one where it's like your ground troops. That's the game that we need is yeah. doing all that stuff. And you're playing through all aspects of that battle not necessarily at the same time, but throughout the course of like the, the greater battle, that would be an awesome star Wars game. Wow. That's I did pitch. not know that that was a mission in the game. Cause I know just reading about the game that a lot of people were clamoring for a multiplayer mode 
akin to the past Battlefield games that had, or Battlefront games that has air, it has space and um, on foot combat mix and matching. Yeah, that was the mo- for for me that was a like I said it was it felt the most Star Warsy because there was so much stuff going on in different settings, and B it felt the most like uh, the most akin to a multiplayer match in terms of like a Battlefront Battlefield game because you're doing different things. It's not all flying or all on the ground fighting. So I want more of that. I hope that they realize that that was, you know, something that was smart, (laughs) but I'm not holding my breath on that. Um, But by far, that was my favorite part of it. Um, After that, their story, like in the the pre-new trilogy era, kind of wraps up. And then there is one epilogue mission that ties... Uh, Iden and Dell's story directly into episode uh, seven and you play as Kylo Ren and you're tracking down Dell who knows where Luke Skywalker is and you do the the mind dive thing and then you play as Kylo Ren cutting through um, basically I guess like almost like mental blocks within Dell's mind trying to keep him from the information to try to break him mm-hmm. and uh, Dell is the one that tells um Kylo Ren to go to that planet to get the uh, the, to try to find the the coordinates for where Luke is in episode four or episode four, episode uh, seven. Yeah. So ties right in. It's really cool. Um, uh, The other thing that I looked up afterwards was I was like, well, like the mocap for like the principal cast is really good. And I was like, I wonder if this is a case where they just had like really good placement of the mocap or did they model the actors off or into the game characters and the game characters are modeled after real people and they're all actors and Mm -hmm. actresses and i'm just thinking to myself like wouldn't that be cool if they had them in a game or not in a game not just in a game but in the movies doubt that'll happen but it would be cool yeah um the last thing about this that i had that really irked me after I did some digging was the way that it ends. It leaves this wide open either for some DLC or for uh, a sequel. And from what I read, it was supposed to go into some DLC, which was more of like the new trilogy era. Mm -hmm. But obviously they kind of botched the launch. So they had other things that they were more worried about. Yeah. They diverted their attention to fixing rather than bandaging and bubble gumming. Which was kind of a bummer because it seemed like, I mean, I would have liked to have played through a little more single player stuff. And I think that's what they yeah. were going for. So, but uh, overall, um, <clears throat> just the game as a whole, I, I, always, I keep finding myself coming back to the multiplayer games. Like it's consistently fun. Um, I think now the, like Roman said last week, like the, uh, the number of players online now is like at or above where it was at launch. So mm-hmm. even though it's, what like a two-year-old game at this point like it still has a ton of people playing it and they are constantly updating it and making tweaks and changes and updates to try to make it more um in line with what people want as far as like nerfing and buffing things so they're sticking with it and it's it's fun i know they just came out with another big update um for heroes and villains or it's going to be coming out within the next couple days here um, so they're still adding to it and I know they're planning on adding more of those capital supremacy maps and those in my opinion are the most fun because you go between fighting in a big battlefield and into 
a uh, ship interior. I think if they could work something out where you could throw in some uh, starfighters into that, that would be like the ultimate Star Wars like battle game. But uh, we'll see what the future holds for that one. I still recommend it, especially for the fact that you can get that really uh, affordably pretty often it goes on sale. So if you're sounds like something you're interested in on whatever platform it is, you know, keep an eye out. Or if you go into, you know, your local GameStop or brick and mortar store, chances are it's there and it's going to be cheap because of just the general, um, bad press that it got. So one way or another, you can get this for, you know, pennies on the dollar for what it originally went for. And, uh, I think at this point in time, you'll find it to be worth your while to, to check it out. Yeah. It was our, uh, number five game. Yeah. Top number five star Wars game of all time. Yep. For sure. If you want to find out the other four, go back and listen to the other episode. Oh, plug. Um, (laughs) yeah, no, I agree with everything you've said. It's, uh, one of the best star Wars experiences and I'm hoping third time's the charm here. Uh, one was a little lackluster Two had a bunch, uh, a little bit too much stuff in it. And then they hit it behind paywalls. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that, with hopefully if there's a third battlefront game coming out this is the one that really just as we say it just (laughs) (sighs) home run (sighs) blinks it yeah (laughs) um well while you were uh fighting the battle of jakku in a single player experience um i gave devolver digital all of my money through my nintendo switch (laughs) uh I love Devolver Digital. They make some of my favorite indie games. Um, if you uh, don't know who Devolver Digital is, uh, get on your Google machine and figure out uh, all of the games that they have. Uh, they're stuff. recently known for their release of um, Ape Out, which is a game. Uh, it's a top-down game about an ape that uh, is trying to escape from captivity to the uh, theme of jazz music. Um, so those are the kind of games that they make. They are very out there and very. Uh, they always push the the boundary of um, indie games. They always have an E3 press conference that is hilarious and always pokes fun at all the other E3 press conferences. The, hopefully this year will be no different. Um, but they had a big sale going on. I don't know if it's still going on on Switch. We'll have to look that up here real time. But um, I had bought a couple of games from them, and I just kind of want to quickly touch on each one um before i hand things off to brandon to talk about his last game so the first game i've been playing here is called katana zero Uh, i mentioned it a couple weeks ago um i also when i was talking about mortal kombat 11 as well Uh, but katana zero is a it's a 2d um side scroller action beat-em-up game uh very much like a hotline miami style game where it's a one-hit kill for you and a one-hit kill for everybody else um for the most part uh, but what's really cool about this game is it's got like an 80s retro VHS aesthetic to it. Hmm. So like there's some scan lines and stuff. There's the music is awesome. It's like chiptune 80s music. It's so well done. Love that. Love um, it. It's a short game. It's like an eight to 10 hour game uh, playthrough if you really hunker down and play it. But the whole uh, gameplay loop is you play as a, a samurai Um And you're getting put into these uh, missions or scenarios where you have like an overall goal of, you know, basically mowing down every person in your way to get to a boss or to get to uh, something that you need to steal or something that you need to destroy. Um, And 
<clears throat> your player has uh, a drug that runs through their body called Kronos. And what Kronos does for you, it basically gives you some uh, Doctor Strange light powers where you can see a bunch of different futures until you find the one where you get through unscathed. So it's a, it's a game where, uh, much like Hotline Miami, you're constantly rinsing and repeating and trying new things until you find the thing that works. So... It can be frustrating where you're just dying, 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 dying. But the second you get it, you're like, okay, I get it. And you're constantly figuring things out where people are uh, placed in these 2D uh, environments, uh, what uh, weaponry they have, what armor they have, so that you know how to distract people. You can pick up things in the environment and use them to the, as distractions, to throw at people, to injure them. Really cool. Um, and uh, basically, whenever you die... It rewinds to the beginning of the level or like rewinds to the checkpoint that you got to. And it always says like, okay, it always pops up with text with, yeah, that's not going to work. Let's try something different, which is basically your character looking into the future and trying something out in, until he figures out what works. And when you get through a level to a new checkpoint, he goes, yeah, yeah, that'll work. And then you can rewatch in real time what your level was like because there's slow-mo mechanics, there's dodge hmm. mechanics. So there's, you know, much like you would want in a samurai ninja game, you can slow down time, you can deflect bullets with your sword, um, you can um, <clears throat> slow down time and, and trigger like trip lasers and like dodge through like open doorways and stuff before the door closes. And it it's cool. So a level may take you 10, 15 minutes to get through. But when you watch it back, it may only be like a minute or two. And you can like pause at certain areas. You can like slow it down yourself. You can like totally manipulate that playthrough up until that checkpoint of, of that level really well done really cool the story is awesome it goes places um it has a lot to do with drug lords and the drug chronos that's in your body and the effects and side effects of it um i urge people to go in and check it out i don't want to get too deep into the story stuff because there's major spoilers in it but uh it's really well done very well written the dialogue is is funny it's 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 uh it's it's gut-wrenching at times um the overall themes of the game are really well done uh i'm having a great time with it um i haven't finished it yet i think i'm on like the last few missions but uh this game goes places uh, and if you like a game that kind of shakes things up and uh, catches you off guard, I highly recommend Katana Zero. Uh, and I'm playing it on the Switch. Cool. The other Devolver Digital game I got um, is one that I played on the PlayStation 4 when it was free. Um, but I liked it so much that it is just a better experience on the go. And that's uh, Enter the Gungeon. Hmm. Uh, Enter the Gungeon is a procedurally generated roguelike twin stick shooting dungeon crawler i'll say that again it is a procedurally generated roguelike twin stick shooting dungeon crawler <laughs> um it's like it's got like pixelated graphics and it's it's basically you know it, it's a multi-level dungeon crawler where when you die you got to start all over again um unless you have some like power that allows you to resurrect where you are but um twin stick shooter <laughs> You know, using both analog sticks to shoot where you want to shoot. Um, my favorite thing about the whole game is just it takes gun to gun puns to the next level. Um, because instead of being enter the dungeon, it's enter the gungeon. dungeon. All of the enemies are like bullets, uh, shell casings, grenades, um, you name it. The bosses are hilarious. Um, they all have gun puns written into them. Um, 
there one of the bosses was like a was like a, a Dungeons and Dragons beholder with like AK forty sevens in all of its arms or eyeballs. Um, I have I had a really good time with it. It's a good pickup and it's like something that I can lay in bed with, uh, pump out a couple runs, uh, unlock some new stuff to help me with my next runs, and then. Yeah, just put it down and be done with it. Um, Can you get Galahorn in that? I feel like I saw a screenshot. I <laughs> think you might be able to get something like it. There's there's something absurd. There's over like a, a th- like thousands and thousands and thousands of guns that you can get. Um, and there's like a whole like uh, gun encyclopedia of everything that you've unlocked and all like the passive power ups and all of the guns that you've seen. Um, it doesn't give you the ability that I know of to be able to. Um, like get those guns when you first enter a dungeon for mm-hmm. whatever reason, but uh, right off the bat, um, you just you can pick from like a marine or a, like these all, the, all these characters have like some quirk about them that they have some all they already have some built-in passive abilities. Like there's a marine who very much plays like like a Halo Master Chief. There's a pilot who very much plays like a Han Solo type character. There's a convict, and then there's um, there's a hunter who has like a dog with her. Um, I tend to lean towards the pilot just because I've been on a Star Wars kick lately. Yeah. But um, I feel you there. It's fun. It's nothing. It's something you can kind of just turn your brain off and go to. I always love the idea of procedurally generated games that are going to be different every time I go into it. You kind of know what to expect from it after you play it a few times. It, it doesn't. It rinses and repeats a lot. Um, the bosses always change, so you're never fighting the same boss twice. I think after going through the game like six or seven different runs, mm-hmm. um, I came across a, a, the same boss once. And I think that's pretty cool. Not bad at all. Um, but it's one of those games that's kind of brutally hard because it, you're not progressing in a way like uh, Rogue Legacy where you're upgrading your characters and everything that you're doing so that your next run is easier. This is one of those games where you just kind of got to force it through and get it done in one run. Uh, which makes it a rogue like rather than a rogue light. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. But uh, if you're into that kind of brutal difficulty, but you know, like the 16-bit pixelated graphics, all the gun puns and stuff, it's it's a good time. I'm having a really good time with it. Nice. Um, and the last game uh, that I've been playing from Devolve, I didn't expect it all. I do nothing about it, uh, but it popped up on the sale, and it, and it was a brand new game that had just come out that I know of um it's called the swords of ditto mormo's curse i knew nothing about this game i watched the trailer for it and i was instantly sold on it it is a it's a it's very much like a like a top-down zelda link to the past style game um the characters and stuff in the world looks very much like a like a cartoon network or like a nickelodeon show Mm -hmm. um I can't think of the show in particular that it looks like, but if you look at some of the graphics and pictures from it, it might jump out at you. Um, the writing's well done. The uh, the the characters and the gameplay is pretty tight. Um, things are a little floaty at times, where you think you're swinging and aiming somewhere, but you're actually not. It's not as 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 uh, as up down left right as like. Zelda Link to the Passage, where you know that if you if I'm swinging up or down or left or right, this one also adds. The, the diagonals to that attack style. Mm-hmm. So it's you kind of catch the in-between shots yeah. where you mean to swing left, but you actually swing 
diagonally left upwards. <laughs> Other than that, it's it, I've been having a good time with it. But what's really cool about this game, and I applaud it because I've never seen another game like this. Uh, James in the chat asked what this game was. The game is called The Swords of Ditto, colon, Mormo's Curse. And it's available on Switch, and I believe it might be available on other platforms. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think it is. I think it is. But what's cool about this game is um, the star of the game is not you, the protagonist. The star of the game is the sword itself. Interesting. And it emphasizes that by uh, when you first fire up the game, you play as a randomly generated character. You find the sword of Ditto, and you're thus granted the powers of ditto much like thor's hammer would give you the powers of thor if you were Mm -hmm. worthy to wield it it's the same thing with the sword the idea is that the sword of ditto is the only thing that can defeat mormo who is like the overall the overarching evil doer in this game much like a much like a ganondorf um the whole thing about this game is so you play through the tutorial um and you die when you die you're dead forever so here's the gameplay loop of this game. You have a randomly generated character, mm-hmm. you get the sword, and you have three days to do whatever you can to upgrade the sword and make it as powerful as possible so that you can go fight Mormo and defeat her once and for all. Regardless what happens in three days, no matter where you are or what you're doing, you are teleported to Mormo to fight Mormo. Oh. That's just the vicious cycle that you're <laughs> stuck in. That's so very, if you uh, die, Majora's Mask. You die yeah, so if, so if you die, you die forever. We fast forward 100 years, and um, you play as a new randomly generated character who has to go find the sword, bear the sword, and then you have three days again to take on Mormo. Now, when the century, when the, when, when the century passes, the whole world changes, so the map's different. Uh, the only thing that carries over is the sword power. So... As you're upgrading the sword, you can upgrade the sword by defeating enemies, doing side quests, doing dungeons. Um, and you can also make the Mormo fight easier by instead of, you know, in Zelda, you can find like secondary items like the bow, the slingshot, yeah. the the lens of truth, etc. In this game, there's toys that you can find like uh, there's like a golf club, like a uh, um, like a, like a squirt gun. Um, there's like bombs that you can find. They're like cherry bombs. Um kind of cool it's got like a very childlike aesthetic to it. it everything looks like a it's almost like if if like the colony from like lord of the flies of just like just the kids like actually started a world and built a world of just kids like this is what that kind of feels like it's just a world of kids um so everything's like toys and uh the passive abilities that you can add to your character and your sword or stickers that you put on them so it it's it, it almost has like a make-believe aesthetic to it neat um, or like you're like like you're playing pretend, but I applaud I applaud this game for how different it is. It's not wildly difficult. I've yet to lose my first character and actually die, but I also haven't hit the three day mark. Mm-hmm. Um, how does, what's deep, that in game passage of time like? It's uh, it, I'd say a day is probably like like a half an hour, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I could have sworn when the game was giving me a tutorial, it said 24 hours before you have to fight Mormo, which would have made much more sense to me. Yeah. Within, I haven't had to fight Mormo yet, and I've been able to do 
a handful of dungeons and they're very short. They're like they they play a lot like the original Zelda or the Link to the Past dungeons where you're like moving from uh, single areas to single areas yeah. and you have like things to do in them. There's maybe like three things you have to do. I haven't even seen a boss yet. Um, but <clears throat> can, you, um, can you force a fight with Mormo or is it just you can like, you can you go can. right up to Mormo if you want right away and try her and i'm just thinking of this from like a speed running perspective like i know people yeah so it's stuff with that so from what i've read it's totally possible to kind of like streamline everything you're doing go right to the mormo fight and finish the whole game right then and there but if you want to find a bunch of the other stuff and make it easier she has like anchors they call them things that make her a little bit more powerful so if you seek out into the world and find those anchors you can destroy them make the fight easier but i'm pretty sure that in the first iteration of the game, she's a level four or a level. She's a level six, mm-hmm. I think. And then I think she ja- she gradually increases every time your character dies so that it's not like, I, oh, I had a level five sword. Now I can go through the three days, have a level eight sword and be able to easily beat her. I think she might go from a six to an eight or like right. something. I haven't seen how that so happens. They, they yet, keep but her, you know, at a challenging level. I hope so. I hope so. Um, otherwise, this is going to be a very short game. But um, I applaud it. Sure. I, I, I I love the twist in the Zelda um, gameplay loop. Yeah, I love that idea, it, and I love the idea of you're not the hero. The sword's the hero. You're just guiding the sword to its inevitable destiny. Destiny. Interesting. Yeah, and that again, that's the Swords of Ditto, uh, Mormo's Curse, and I really really dig it so far um not wildly difficult um i think it's like 15 bucks on the eShop right now you just answered my next question (laughs) yeah yeah but it's it's the perfect switch game play in bed play through a couple days level up your sword put it down and come back to it (laughs) sounds like a good car trip game for me uh yeah yeah it would be like a good be a good like weekend vacation game when you have like downtime yeah yeah sweet yeah we got a, a long drive ahead of us for vacation so oh where are you going we're going to outer banks you know classic, OBX. classic uh pittsburgh summer hang you know nobody ever goes to the inner banks i never understood that <laughs> well there's a reason for that. <laughs> anyway uh yeah that does it for my devolver digital roundup um Swords of Ditto, Enter the Gungeon, and Katana Zero. All great games. Highly recommend. And I hope that Devolver Digital Sale is still going on. I'll look into that while Brandon goes through his, goes through his very last game here. Yeah, so I uh, kind of kept with that theme of uh, Star Wars. And um, I decided to dig a little bit deeper into what was our, I think, number two on our list. Mm-hmm. My personal number one. Um, yes. which is Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, which I actually remembered to uh, to stream the other day. So and I watched you. <laughs> you did. You sure did. And it was... Let me skip ahead here. remember it was really rough getting this to stream properly. Um, but so anyway, this is... Um, I think we we pretty much established this last episode as like this is one of the definitive 
um, Star Wars games because it really established the uh, the EU and, and that Kyle Katarn character um, as something viable outside of the original scope of you know like Luke Han Leia and those type of stories. Um, <clears throat> but uh, basically, you play as Kyle Katarn. He is this like mercenary type of guy, and um, he ends up getting pulled into this. Um, plot from a, a dark Jedi. I don't think he's actually a Sith Lord, but he's a dark Jedi named Jarek, and he's trying to find the Valley of the Jedi where the, um, I guess like the, the collective power of all these deceased Jedi kind of lies, and if he gets a hold of that, he'll be able to do some seriously twisted stuff that'll, uh, you know, just be bad news for the galaxy. So um, I first booted up this game and I started playing it with just no, no, nothing special, no bells, no whistles, um, just straight up the game as it normally exists. And, um, it, it wasn't bad. It still held up even then. Um, I was kind of surprised cause I going into this, I was like, yeah, this is a hundred percent going to be, um, four, three ratio, just like a square with letter boxes on the side. And I was very surprised to see that this game actually upscaled itself up to uh, 1440 which is the, the native resolution of my monitor. So I was like, oh, wow, that's cool, because whenever I tried doing, um, what was it, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, it letterboxed me in, and this did not. So I was like, wow, that's really funny that a game that's from 1997 is able to uh, upscale itself up um, without any great difficulty. The only thing that kind of came along with that that wasn't so great was um, it kind of threw off the field of view, and you would basically just see like the very tip of whatever gun you're holding, which made it kind of like awkward to play as a first person shooter, uh, which was already kind of compounded in its awkwardness by the fact that it just has such old school mechanics. Um, you'll see in the in the video that's running here that there is no crosshair. Um, you basically point in the general direction of something and then it's kind of like a random dice roll where it might hit, it might not. And the. The blaster bolts are very much like homing missiles where they'll kind of head towards the uh, enemies. There's not a whole lot of like precision aiming or anything. It's just kind of in the general area and you shoot and it might hit, it might not. Um, it gets really wild when there's a couple of enemies in the same general area because you might in be intending to shoot on one guy and then it's actually aiming past him and the bolts are like literally going on a diagonal away from like where the gun is actually pointed. So it gets weird like that. Um, there's a lot of other kind of funny or uh, kind of like archaic old school kind of game design. Uh, one of the biggest ones that I noticed is there's a lot of instances where you'll go past like a corner alcove and uh, you can't see it from the approach that they set you up on in this corridor. But once you pass it, you see if there's like a little nook off to the side and there's a guy like waiting around the corner and he'll start shooting you in the back or punching you in the back. They love to throw those at you as well as like a random guy that's like, way off in the distance, like up high, just like shooting down on you. So they kind of try to surprise you like that. Yeah. Um, that very old school, old school. Game design really shining in this one. Yeah. Very, very old school. Um, you can see in the video, there's a, a great skybox texture. The original one was far worse than what you see there. Um, it's just black. I don't even think they're stars there in the original one. It was just, it was black with white dots. This one was Is uh, it really, yeah, <laughs> this one they, like this. So, what you're seeing on the on the stream clip here um, is it's a modded version of of the original game. So 
Um, there exists uh, what they're calling the Jedi Knight Enhanced Mod Pack, which uh, consists also of... known as the uh, the Instagram edition. <laughs> Um, it has <laughs> a couple of mods <laughs> kind of all wrapped into one. Um, the Probably the biggest two here, uh, there's one that allows you to use high-res textures. So it completely swaps out all the textures in the game for stuff that's more higher resolution. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there's one where they take those textures and they upscale them to 4K. Um, it almost gives it kind of like a painterly sort of look, the way that they upscale everything. But it still looks really good, like miles better than uh, the original game. Um, it also fixes the uh, field of view for widescreen monitors, so you can actually see like the intended amount of the uh, weapon on screen. So it's not like you're just looking at the very tip of the barrel or anything like that. Um, the other big one uh, that comes as part of this is uh, it replaces all of the weapon models and all of the character models, I believe, with ones that are from... Um, Jedi Knight 2 mm-hmm. and uh, so that's a huge visual upgrade there um, obviously it's still on an old engine so they don't look like super great but it's it, it basically it, it takes what is ostensibly a, like a PS1 era style of graphics and it puts it more in line with like something on PlayStation 2 which I mean that's like a full generational leap just from these mods so uh, by today's standards doesn't look that great but when you kind of look at it in that context like this mod does a ton to uh, fix things up I, uh, I also noticed that in on some of the textures it does have um, some tessellation so I think you can really see it on one of the uh, like the lifts here um, if you back it up towards the beginning of me talking about this um, basically tessellation if you aren't familiar with the term um, it takes a flat texture and then it kind of uh, gives the appearance of it having like some depth to it. So um, on the uh, lift there, there's like a like a cowling over the top of it. And it looks like there's like cables and, and other things like behind it, even though it's a flat texture. So that was really cool because that does a lot to make um, the levels feel a little bit more updated because there's not really a whole lot you can do with the uh, the map designs itself aside from changing the textures. And in some areas like uh, especially in some of the like outdoor areas where it's like canyons and like grass and stuff like you can really see like it's the same texture just like repeated over a flat surface everywhere again old yep. school game design um, but the mods do a lot to kind of try to help that out and make it look a lot better yeah. um, the biggest visual upgrade that came from that we were the the lighting and the blaster yes um, it's it especially good with the lightsaber I just oh. got that and it's like I can't wait super, to see that. Super cool looking. Um, yeah, I guess the the blaster bolts, the explosions, and the lightsabers—they were all just like regular like game sprites, and like you could tell, you know, that they were like sprites for sure. <laughs> and uh, that that was the fourth part of the mod was the uh, the effects mod, and it makes the blaster bolts look so much better. Oh. Um, it gives them a glow, and I think that it even applies some kind of like very very basic lighting to it. And you can actually see it on the uh, clip here whenever I'm shooting, like the the way that the shadows are reacting a little bit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like just like little things, but they're like nice little details that make this game play or, you know, feel um, newer than it actually is. Because I mean, this game, again, is from 1997 and um, it plays really well. Like uh, gameplay wise, level design wise, it's I mean, there's some kind of like clunky moments where you know you can kind of tell that it's not doesn't have that level of like polish that like a modern game has as far as like leading you through 
um, levels. Mm-hmm. A lot of the puzzle bits are mostly just like not actually solving a puzzle so much as wandering around until you find that one little area that you missed because it was like hidden intentionally. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, it, it brings back a lot of fond memories for me. I remember putting a ton of time into this game at, you know, my own, on my own original home computer and like at friends' houses. Um, so it's got the, the uh, rose tinted nostalgia goggles going for it. Um, but it's still like as a first person shooter, even though you don't have like a crosshair and, uh, you know, it's very basic in what it offers it still plays really, really well. This is one of the first games I remember uh, first person wise that like had like a sprint function to it. Um, mm. Finding secrets in the game gives you points that you or star points that you can then put into uh, different force abilities. So it, like really encourages you to actually like look out for the secrets and like go into those nook and, nooks and crannies instead of just, you know, saying, Hey, you found all the secrets. Like it actually gives you something that will enhance your uh, ability to do things within the game um definitely just going back to this i 100 percent think we have this pegged at the right spot as the uh the number two game on our list um for me just from the you know good past experiences that i had i would put this you know obviously at number one like i did in my personal list but still plays super fun it's dirt cheap on on, uh, steam now i think uh on the sale, it was like two bucks, and I think now it's like maybe five or six bucks. Absolutely worth coming back to if you don't already have it. Um, grab that mod pack. Does not take very much to install. They have a really good install video on it. It's on uh, I think it's on Mod DB is where I found it. Really easy to get everything set up and ready to go. Once it's set up, it's you know you're you're good to go and just click on the uh, exe and it just loads right up. Nothing special yeah. once it's installed. It's you know it's done modding modding old games these days is way too easy to do to not do it yeah i mean me personally i've been modding games since like forever like basically since i had a, a pc back in in high school i modded games yeah. so this it wasn't anything out of the ordinary i'm used to like digging through a, a notepad readme file to try to figure stuff out versus now <laughs> where it's just like you watch a video of some nerd that's like okay you're gonna extract this folder and then you're gonna open this folder and then dump all the files in there. But don't don't overwrite this one. And you before you would have had to figure a lot of that stuff out yourself. So it's a lot more accessible yeah, to uh, to mod stuff. I could have made my own video. That would have been way nerdier. Yeah, but I you could have. <laughs> so yeah, I would definitely recommend giving this a look. Like if you're looking for a good classic Star Wars game to play, um, definitely play this. Follow it up with Mysteries of the Sith. Um, that's my plan anyways, is to play this, yeah. play Mysteries of the Sith, and then uh, jump into um, Jedi Academy and the uh, the sequels to this uh, yeah. this Jedi first Jedi Knight game. Yeah, Jedi Academy and Jedi or Jedi Outcast. Jedi Outcast. Jedi Academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't expect Citizen Kane, but if you can turn your brain off for a little bit and you just want some star some star some rose tinted Star Wars goggles. This is the game for you. For sure. And the cutscenes are still so awesome. They're so good. That sit down interrogation with IG eighty eight. Dude. And whenever so you good. whenever you run up to him, whenever he's trying to escape in the shuttle and he just like pulls out his gun and he's like, Going somewhere? <laughs> Such a classic. It's so cheesy. It's cheesy in the best way. Yeah, it's a good cheesy. Very got the it got the right amount of campiness to it. 
So that's, you have to. You have to have some level of campiness when you do Star Wars stuff. Yeah, it's like absolutely. You have like twenty percent campiness. Twenty percent campiness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, All right. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Dark Forces Two, Brandon? Um, no. I think that, that's about it. Pick it up, mod it, and you'll definitely have a good time with it. It's a good, good classic game for sure. Nice. Well, what games have you guys been playing? We want to hear about it. What have you been doing the last couple of weeks? Is there anything that we missed? Is there anything that maybe flew under the radar that we need to start playing ourselves? Let us know in the comments on Facebook. Or you could also let us know on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a rate and review. Nice little five star, four star, maybe even one star. Maybe you hate us. Give us your feedback. What are we yeah. doing well? What are we doing wrong? <laughs> what could we do better? That's all we want to know. We want to make sure that we're tailoring the show exactly the way that you want it and delivering it to you every week, completely free, giving you something in your ear biscuits to listen to. <laughs> ear biscuits. I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, if you want to send us an email, you can do that. You can send us an email at the GNA podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the golf November alpha podcast at gmail.com. If you're not on iTunes you can also check us out on Reggie's house podcast.com with all other Reggie's podcast affiliates while well, is the Rust Belt Risters and the boys from Greedo Shot First, who once again, thank you guys for joining us last week for our Star Wars special. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that, super fun. Yeah, super fun. If you haven't listened to that, what are you doing here? Go back to last week's episode and listen to the Star Wars episode. We'll tell you what games to play. Don't worry. You don't even have to go through the 150 plus Star Wars games that are out there <laughs> to know which ones are the good ones. We'll, we'll tell, tell you. you. We'll tell you. We'll tell you. We'll tell we you. did all the hard work for you. That's right. Absolutely. Um, uh, Aside from that, uh, we're still looking for some listener reviews. If you had a game you played that maybe we didn't touch on or maybe a game that we played and you had a different opinion on, we want to hear it from you. It might even be featured on the show. You can email it to us, send it to us on Facebook or uh, any other way you can reach us. Yeah. Um, We always stream live on Tuesdays uh, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can catch the podcast audio on uh, Wednesdays sometimes, um, maybe even later in the week, depending on what Brandon and I run into. Yep. Otherwise, um, I think we're going to look into changing the format up a little bit. So keep your ears posted. Keep your eyeballs locked onto that Facebook page, and we'll let you know exactly what's going on as soon as we know what's going on. Yeah, maybe maybe, in, maybe install that Twitch app on your phone. Oh, yeah, install that Twitch app. Maybe. Because maybe it'll have a way to watch the podcast soon. Who knows? In higher quality. <laughs> In higher quality. <laughs> um, but as always, regardless what games we've played and what differences you have in our opinions and your opinions, Brandon, what do we always tell the fine people of the podcast world? Uh, we always let them know, or at least remind them, that the only opinion that matters is your own. We'll see you guys next week. Nate, send us out. <laughs> <laughs> you like that new touch? Yeah, oh, dude, I loved it. <laughs> <sighs> Say, so don't forget to subscribe. Go.